Good morning. Oh, that was pretty good for an early grade. By the way, by the way, I want to just welcome you. I know you've already been welcomed once, but I want to welcome you again. And if this is your first time with us, and you somewhere along the line had heard that the, the lead pastor of this church was six foot two inches tall and twisted blue steel, young guy, 48 years old, and you looked up and you saw me and you thought, oh my gosh, what happened to him? I'm not him. Okay, Mac will be back next week. So today it's my privilege. I'm Terry Cadwell, pastor of Life Groups here at Lake Hills Church, and it's my privilege to get to be here with you. You know what? One of the things I really enjoy about when, uh, when, when Mac asked me to come and preach on Sunday morning, this is the only time I ever get to hear our worship team. The only time. Put, put that wave, put that wave, that big, that, watch this come, wave come in. I know it's coming. There it is. That song, the song that, we, that the worship team led us in uh, before the offering was a song called Oceans. That's the name of it. And, and, and the song really focuses on a time when the apostle Peter was in the boat, was in, in, a, in a little boat out on the Sea of Galilee, and he looked up and saw Jesus, and Jesus gave him permission to come and walk on the water to Peter. That's the name of the song, Oceans. And, and I love the way our worship team leads us in that. I've listened to that, that song, uh, the recording of that song that's on Christian radio and all those places. Our worship team is a whole lot better than the other people that do that. And they are really good. And you know what? I really appreciate another thing about our worship team. I don't know if you watch this on the back, but a lot of time the instrumentalists are actually singing along. Folks, no other church in town has a worship team where the instrumentalists are so caught up in what God's doing that they're singing, okay? And, 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 and our, guy, our people up here, the words that they sing to that, they're singing because they really mean it. That when they sing, God, lift my eyes, you know, lift my eyes above the waves. Talking about Peter when he started singing. And that's what that song is, is really about. But there's another story, another account in the Bible that that song also reminds me of. And that was a time when... When the disciples were with Jesus in the boat, a storm came up with huge waves, and, and the boat started sinking, started filling up with water. And so the disciples were all shook up, and they went back, and they woke Jesus up, and they said, Jesus, we're drowning. And Jesus got up, and he looked right into that storm, and he said, stop it. And the storm stopped. Wouldn't that be wonderful to be able to confront the storms of our life, the difficult challenges, the scariest adversaries, and just to have the power to say, stop it, and we could just ride right over them. It's been a number of years ago. Uh, I got to face one of those, well, one of the scariest storms I've ever faced, one of the most, the scariest adversaries, anyhow. Uh, it was a, a golf ball-sized lump under my left arm, and the preliminary diagnosis from the doctor after a phys- physical exam and a whole lot of blood work, the pro- preliminary doc- uh, diagnosis was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now, this was a long time ago. In fact, if you remember last week, Mac preached about Noah and the flood. This was right after that. 
Okay, and, and, and people that had Hodgkin's lymphoma at that particular time, they didn't have a lot of good things to look forward to. And so, so that, that song that we sang, Lord, lift my eyes above, keep my eyes above the waves looking at you, that was really my prayer as I faced that challenge in my life was to keep my eyes above that and, and be able to, to keep my eyes on Jesus because that was, a, that was a really tough adversary. What would it be like? Think about the seasons of your life right now, the tough, whatever season it is. What are the tough things you're facing right now during this season of life? Is it emotional? Maybe something uh, depre- de- depression or, or anxiety or stress. Maybe it has to do with family, uh, one of your kids, or maybe your marriage. Uh, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's something physical like the one I was facing. Whatever it is, what would it be like to be able to catch? What happened to my wave? There was a wave up there. That wave. What would it be like? To catch that wave right just before it breaks, like a surfer, and ride the power of that wave right over that toughest challenge, that scariest adversary, and ride it over all the way into the shore. I mean, what would that be like to be able to do that? In Romans chapter 8, Paul gives us a list of, of all sorts of different kind of problems and challenges we can face in life. Look at this list. In Romans 8, he lists calamity, and then persecution, and then hunger, and danger, and threats, and death, and demons. And you know what? Whatever your challenge is that you're facing in this season of life, you could probably add that to that list. Because it, it probably applies, doesn't it? But then look where Paul goes from there. After the list, he says, In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, you catch that? Not only is it possible to catch that wave and ride it right over our toughest challenge, the Bible says that's actually what is supposed to happen. And the reason that's what's supposed to happen is because the very, if you are a Christ follower, the very powerful Holy Spirit of God lives in you. In John chapter 5, verse, excuse me, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, Paul says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. So if you are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit of God, who enabled Jesus to to do all the miracles that, that, that he did, and then ultimately raised him from the dead, that same powerful Holy Spirit lives in you. Which means the Holy Spirit power that was in Jesus, is in you. And he is there to overcome life's greatest difficulties and life's greatest challenges. But, but, the power of God 
is only available to accomplish the purposes of God. Now hold on to that one because that's a really, really big deal. In John chapter 5, verse 19, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. The Son, now this is, he's talking about himself, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only, catch that word only. He does only what he sees the Father doing. So when Jesus confronted demons, when he confronted disease like my Hodgkin's lymphoma, even when he confronted death, he was able to overcome it only because that was the purposes of God. That he overcome demons and disease and even death. Which then means if you and I are going to confront our challenges in the power of God's Holy Spirit, then it's an absolute imperative that we align our plans with God's purposes. In other words, if we're going to catch that wave and we're going to ride it right over our problems all the way to the shore, then it's absolutely necessary for us to be willing to go the same direction that wave is going. When the doctor told me that what he thought I had, I knew in my head that God had the power to heal me just like that. I also knew, knew that in my head that he could also heal me using the best medical practices available at the time, which, remember, was right after Noah. Okay, I knew he could do that. I also knew that even if I died, that wasn't the end of the story. Because we just read in that list that even death, we overcome in death because when death wraps its hands around us, God has his hands around us too and says, death, you can't have him. And so I knew that in my head. The problem was I did not know what God's game plan was for this season, for that particular season of my life life and that was really scary because I did not want to live with cancer I did not want to go through chemotherapy and I certainly did not want to die at least not yet if you have your Bibles turn to Matthew chapter 6 whether it's in a the spiritual kind that this on paper or, or whether it's the not-so-spiritual kind which is on some electronic device. Whatever you have, okay, find Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus divides everybody into two groups. He divides people into groups. Group one is group that, that, that uh, worry. And the other group is the group that doesn't worry. So he takes all the human race and divides it into worriers and people that don't worry. And, and in Matthew chapter 6, he says the difference between those that worry and those that don't worry 
is that those who worry, they worry because they're pretty much on their own when it comes to confronting life's challenges. But the group that doesn't worry, that's the group that overcomes life challenges by the power of God. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 31. So we're going to begin in verse 31. I want you to catch what he says here about worriers and people that don't worry. Verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Now, I want you to think about that. What, don't worry about what, what, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Folks, these are things people needed and actually to live. I mean, we're not talking here about worrying because you don't have the latest version of an iPhone. He said, don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or if you're going to have enough clothes to put on. And, I mean, that, those are necessities of life. And, and also, generally speaking, the more you have of those necessities, the better the quality of life is that you have. So, so we could add the stuff on our list that's important to us, like, like a happy, healthy family, uh, like, a, happy health, like a, ha- a healthy body, like a good job. All of those things, we could probably add that to that list and we wouldn't be stretching the meaning of the text here. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. Folks, to me, that is one of the most comical statements Jesus ever made. Don't worry about it. I mean, you have to be kidding me. Folks, I, it's, it's normal for me to worry about the important things in life. In fact, it's even normal for me to worry about things that aren't important in life. That's my default. Okay, that's, that's where my mind and my emotions go when I'm facing any kind of a challenge. So you can imagine, you can only imagine what my response was when the doctor walked in the room and started using words like Hodgkin's lymphoma. I still remember in, uh, in, in our family room, I, I was trying to have my time with the Lord, and our two-year-old son Kevin was playing out in front of me, and, and somehow or another back then I could actually manage that. But I remember, I remember trying to read. I was watching Kevin, two, two years old, and, and, and I was trying to read, but I couldn't read because my eyes were so flooded with tears. And, and I thought, God, what's going to happen to Kevin? And then I thought about Patsy. I mean, we had a two-year-old and another one on the way. And I thought, what's Patsy going to do? I mean, how in the world is she going to do this? And Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Was he kidding? But then he, he goes on there, and in verse 32, he says, Don't worry about it. He says, for the pagans run after these things. And then he says, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Your Father, he's talking about Christ followers. Okay, you're no longer everybody else. You're a child of God. You're a Christ follower. You have a Father in heaven. And he says, you know, he knows that you need these things. He knows that you need to eat. He knows that you need a place to live. He knows, he knows that, that a healthy home is important to you. He knows that a healthy body is important to you. 
He knows that having a good job is important to you. He says, your heavenly father, he already knows all of this. He knows that you don't want to live with cancer. He knows that. So then he goes on. Look in verse 33. He says, but, and that's one of those big buts. He says, but, he says, I'm talking to you now. You Christ followers, you people who can call God your father. He says, but you, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you at well. That word there, seek first, is a, I, I love that word. I just wish that they had taken the word from verse 31, which says run after where it says the pagans, meaning everybody else, the Gentiles, your Bible may say Gentiles, they run after all of these things. I wish that, uh, that the translate, Bible translations had taken and taken that word run after in 31 and put it in verse 32 because in Greek it's exactly the same word. He said everybody else out there, they run after food, clothing, good jobs, a healthy, happy home, a good place to live. That's what everybody else runs after. He said, but you're not like them. You're different than them. You have a heavenly father who already knows about all this stuff. He he says, for you, he says, you, you, Christ followers, you run after God. He said, see, it's really natural for all those other people to run after those things that will improve their life and they think will make them happy. He said, but you're Christ followers. You're God's kids. You run after God. You work at discovering his plan for your life. He says, you work at, at after you discover his plan for your life, you work at living out that plan in a way that is pleasing to him. And he says, if you do this, If you will run after God instead of all of these other things, then God will deal with all of those challenges that everyone else is worried about. Okay, now this is really important because this is where overcoming life's challenges, overcoming your scariest adversary and all of your problems that are going on in your season of life right now, this is where... Overcoming them in the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. Because life in the power of the Holy Spirit is what happens when God and His purposes are our dominant goal. Life in the power of the Holy Spirit is what happens when a life that pleases God is our dominant priority. That's what he says there. He says, seek him and his righteousness. Seek what's right in God's eyes. A while back, it was a a young couple, right after the service, met me out here. I'd never seen them before, but they they wanted me to help them put their their relationship back together. And, uh, or heal their relationship. Let's put put it that way. And, And Mac had talked about, about the power of the Holy Spirit to rebuild a marriage. The problem was, this couple wasn't married. Now, they were living together like they were married, had been for a couple of years, but they weren't married. 
And the Bible is very clear about a sexual relationship that is pleasing to God. Remember we're talking about a life pleasing to God? The Bible is very clear about what that looks like. A sexual relationship that is pleasing to God is between a man and a woman who are committed to each other in marriage. That's the only kind of sexual relationship that is right in God's eyes. Everything else the Bible calls sexual immorality. And the Bible even says that actually quenches the power of the Holy Spirit. So for this young couple, if they wanted to live, if they wanted God to heal their relationship, if they wanted the power of the Holy Spirit to work in them to overcome these difficulties they were having with each other right now, if they really wanted that, then they needed to be willing to pattern their relationship after what was right in God's eyes. About the same time, I was having a conversation with a, a mother of a high school young lady, a high school girl, and she was telling me about a really bad day that her daughter had at school. And evidently, the girl plays volleyball and basketball, and was on one of those teams, and, and some, some of her friends on the basketball or volleyball team had said some really unkind things to her. And by the time she got, she came from practice and got in the car, and her... And, uh, and she started telling her mom what had happened, and, and she started crying. And, and the more she, her, she told her mom what had happened, the madder her mom got. And so when they finally got home, the little girl headed one way toward her room, and, and her mom headed toward the kitchen to fume and plot and see how she was going to get even with all these people. And while she was in there fuming and plotting and just figuring out all these things she could do, call a coach and all these other things, she actually has a mom who has a CHL. I'm glad her mom, her mind didn't go there. Okay, but she's in here plotting and, and she looks up and here comes her daughter. Her daughter's in the room and she comes in the room with her Bible. And she says, Mom, I was looking in my, in my Bible to find out how God wants me to deal with this. I want you to catch that. Okay, she wanted to figure out how God, what's right in God's eyes for her to deal with these friends that aren't being all that friendly. You see, the daughter, ninth ninth grade, the ninth grade girl, the power of the Holy Spirit was available to her to overcome this challenge because she wanted to do it in a way that was right in God's eyes. Now, her mom still had a few things to work on before, before the power of the Holy Spirit was going to be available to her. Okay, Life in the power of the Holy Spirit is what happens when our relationship with God is the more, most important thing in our life. When we are constantly looking for what God is doing so that we can live out our part in a way that is pleasing to him. Now, over all of my seasons of life, and and I've had a bunch of, I'm an old guy. Please don't think, I'm, I'm glad to be an old guy. Don't try to talk me out of it, okay? In all of my seasons of life, there's a few things I've figured out that are really important about overcoming our challenges by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing is always tell God the truth. 
If there's sin involved, confess it. If our relationship with him is not our more most important relationship, tell him that. It's not going to shake him up. He already knows it anyhow. If, if our plans are more important than whatever his purposes might be, tell him about it. Tell him how you feel. Okay? If living a life that is pleasing to him, doing what's right in his eyes, if that's not what you want to do, tell him about that too. He already knows it, really. But in the process of telling God exactly what the truth is going on in you, if you're going to overcome and live your life in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we need to ask God to help us get where we need to get in order to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, ask God to give you a willing spirit. You see, folks, life in the power of the Holy Spirit is not just hard. It's impossible. But Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think of. So ask God, ask God to make you willing for your relationship to him, with him to be the most important relationship with God, uh, the most important relationship in your life. Ask God to make you willing to see his purposes and his plans as more important than yours. Ask God to make you willing to live your life right now and do the things that are right in his eyes. Ask him for a willing spirit. That song we sang a while ago where it says, says, take me where my faith is without borders. You're asking God to give you a willing spirit to live where you don't want to live. That's what, I don't know if you realized when you sang that a while ago, but you did. So now may be a good time for you to tell God, God, I didn't really mean it. Because that's, that's really important if you're going to get to the place where you're living life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to give you a willing spirit. And then when you do that, at some point, you will be able to yield your plans to God's purposes. And when you can do that, that's when you will catch that wave. The night before his crucifixion, after a long emotional struggle, it was so tense that rather than sweating sweat, Jesus was sweating drops of blood. Jesus prayed and he said, Father, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but your will. I can tell you from experience that praying that prayer not my will, and really meaning it is probably the hardest prayer you will ever pray. I have a friend, Barbara, when she was in her 40s, she was single. When she prayed, not my will, but your will, she was telling God, God, if I'm supposed to be single, okay, 
She didn't want to be single. But she prayed, not my will, but your will. I know another guy, his name is Ted. When Ted prayed, not my will, but your will. He was saying, God, I'm willing to rebuild my marriage by loving the woman I've been married to for eight years rather than bailing out and starting all over with a new woman or another woman. Actually, she was a newer woman too. You see, when you pray, not my will, but your will, that's going to be different depending on what season of life you're in and what's going on during this particular season. It's been about four years ago. I got a call from my son, Kevin. And he started telling me about all that they had done over the last eight years, all the money they had spent, all of the medical procedures and tests and everything they had done in order to try and get pregnant. And he called me that afternoon to tell me that the last thing hadn't worked and there was nothing else that they could do to try to get pregnant. And then Kevin broke down and he said, Dad, he said, the only possible reason that I can come up with that God would do this is that there's some kid somewhere that needs to have us as parents. Russell, put that picture up there. You see that gorgeous little girl? That's our two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. About three months after Kevin and Courtney came to that conclusion that there's some kid somewhere that needs us as parents, they got a phone call. And about three months later, this little girl was born, C-section. And the nurse took that little baby and placed it in my daughter-in-law's hands. And I am absolutely convinced that the reason Patsy and I have this beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter is because, my, is because Kevin and Courtney, my son and daughter-in-law, they came to the place where they were willing to yield their dreams to God's purposes and God's plan. That was hard. But I'm absolutely convinced that's why Addison is our granddaughter. You know, I don't remember the night before my surgery. I don't remember praying and yielding my plans to God's will. But I must have. Because I remember that night I wasn't, I wasn't worried anymore. What I do remember about that night is about 10 o'clock, Patsy left my hospital room and was headed out to the car. And actually, she got to share the Lord with somebody on the way to the car, which was, I thought was really cool. But then when she got in her car, she backed into the only other car in the hospital parking lot. <laughs> and I, I remember that. I remind her of it all the time. Another thing I remember is uh, about... about uh, 11 o'clock, a nurse woke me up in order to give me something to sleep. And, uh, and I, I remember her waking me up and looking up and realized, oh, my gosh, I know this lady. And, uh, and she, she said, Pastor Terry, 
I am not, I don't, I don't like the idea of giving my pastor a shot in the hip, but roll over. I remember that, okay? I remember a tall, big, and by the way, my size, everybody's tall and big, from a New Mexico State Trooper. Walked in all dressed up in his state, tro- state trooper outfit and, and uh, had, a, had his Bible in his hand. And he walked up and he, and he woke, up, woke me up. And he said, Terry, he said, I was reading the story about when Jesus cursed the fig tree and, and it withered up. And he said, I believe that God showed me that I can do that with that lump under your arm. And so I said, Bill, God hadn't shown me that. But if God showed you that, then you curse away. <laughs> and he did. Okay, the next thing I remember, I remember waking up after my surgery, and, uh, and I, I looked down here under my arm, and there wasn't, anything, it wasn't, there wasn't anything there. I mean, they hadn't touched it. And then I realized that it, was, that it wasn't feeling good on this side, and I looked over here on my right side, and it was this big glob of bandages and everything, and I thought, oh, my soul, they did the wrong arm. <laughs> and... Uh, Really, that's my first thought. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, goodness, how did they do this? And uh, about that time, the doctor walked in, and he had kind of smiling. He says, I bet you think we made a mistake, didn't you? And, uh, and, I, and I didn't say anything because I didn't want to tell him he had made a mistake. And, and he said, actually, he says, when we went looking for that lump under your arm, it wasn't there. And, and he said, but your blood work the night before had been so bad that we did find a little bitty swollen nodule under your right arm and decided to take it out and do a biopsy. He said, but your blood work this morning was normal. When I look back over 40-something years as a Christ follower, I faced a lot of very difficult challenges and scary adversaries. During some of those seasons, I did not catch that wave. And I worried just like everybody else. However, there were some times that I did catch the wave. And I can tell you this. Life facing challenges and life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit is the most rewarding life that you and I can possibly ever have as long as we are on planet earth. But I can also tell you this, that when you're living life in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's probably not going to look like the plans that you had back when you were drawing up your plans. Because you're living out God's plans. Would you bow your heads, please? In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray. If you're not a Christ follower, I can promise you that living life in the power of the Holy Spirit is a whole lot better than the life you're living right now. There's a whole lot, whole, whole lot more, there's much more potential, much more reward to it. It's not easy, but it's God's plan for you, and He loves you. And if you've never entered into that relationship with Christ and have to have that possibility out there in front of you, then I'm going to invite you to do that. Just pray. Just pray. Just say something like, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take me 
and be my Lord. That's all you have to do. It's real easy. It's not, it's not hard to pray that prayer. Just say, Jesus Christ, come into my Lord. You see, Jesus died on a cross to remove every barrier, every sin, everything that could separate you from God. So just pray. Ask him to forgive you and then to take your life, to enter your life by the power of his Holy Spirit and to begin to lead you where he wants you to go. Just pray that prayer. say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. And you can even mention before God what sins you're asking him to forgive you. He knows they're there. Ask him to forgive you. And then, Lord Jesus, come into my life and lead me where you want me to go. And then after you pray that, just say, thank you. Say, thank you. God. You see, because Jesus promised if you would pray and ask him to come into your life and, and lead it, he promised he would do it. And he's not going to lie. So you can thank him. Thank him that he now has your life. Now, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, then while while our heads are bowed, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you just to hold your hand up in the air to let God know that you're serious, that you really do want Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit in you, running your life right now. You really want to take advantage of His death on the cross. Raise your hand up in there as high as you can raise it. It marks it as this is a special time in your life, and it's to let God know you're really serious. You really want Him to run your life. Now, we have a tradition around here, and I really like this tradition. When you put your hand down, we put our hands together. 